0: Hello, the Internet, and welcome to Season 191, Episode 1 of Der Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Monday, June 28th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Cause I got trends inside places where the Baja blasts and the weed blazes my blues away. It'll be okay. Now I'm not big on Chugy culture. Think I'll hover around like an old vulture. Cause I got trends. Inside Places, that is courtesy of Tulip City Dispatch, shout out to you. And I'm thrilled to be joined by today's special guest co-host, one of the very kings of culture himself. Oh, He is an emmy nominated podcast host, writer, producer, actor, voice artist, and even though it's not in that list of credits, he is one of my favorite singers. Oh. He is the brilliant and talented Jackie
1: Sneil! Hear me. We- Here we go. (laughs) I know it sounds funny, but I just really love that gang. (laughs) But I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, baby, you know I've done all I can. I potted, made you laugh, and I borrowed. Oh. That's why I'm Jackie say <laughs> Jackie like Sunday morning doo-doo, doo-doo, Sing doo-doo. along with me guys guy That's why I'm Jackie say Jackie like Sunday morning Oh yeah yeah. What's up niggas (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to At MFC Erickson He he gave me the idea for that I ran with it
0: Jakison like Sunday morning Which is when you're Jakison like Sunday morning What are you doing
1: you are dreading waking up and uh, <laughs> you know and
0: trying to stay in bed for trying to stay as as in possible. bed for a little bit longer <laughs> and waking up like
1: why am i still sleepy and uh oh, man. you know that's what that's what jack keesing like sunday morning
0: is i cu- i queued you up as one of my favorite singers and you did not disappoint oh, my i know goodness. that's a lot to put on your shoulders but i knew you would come through
1: oh well listen you gave it to me first you 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 sang us out I just brought us home, but, you know, I'm happy to be here. What's up, everybody?
0: What's up, man? Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by another yes. hilarious improviser uh, from one of the first improv comedy podcasts to ever do it, Left Handed Radio. He oh. is Adam Bozarth! Hi,
2: Jack and Jaquise. What's How up? Here. I'm not in good voice today. If I started <laughs> okay. singing, it would be kind of... Odeturkian, I would call it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all right. You know, we we sang enough for you, so we'll just say that you were featured on both of our tracks. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I think I think I heard a little uh, coming yeah. from Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And by the way, a Bob Odenkirk,
0: bit. one of my favorite uh, singers, also. So you got <laughs> you guys should take any any compliments I give your voice with yes. a, with a huge grain of salt. Uh, Adam, where are you coming to us from? Thai Town,
2: Hollywood, Los Angeles. Thai Town, Hollywood. Oh, I love Thai Town. They—that's
1: where I found roti bread. Roti bread. Shout out flat yes. top. Shout out flat top, Chicago. Flat top grill in Chicago. They sell roti bread. I always looked for it. Uh, a homie of mine Joy, was like check Thai Town. I think it's like the Shalom Market. That could be, one hundred percent incorrect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is like, that right the name of it? The corner from that. Point. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Go get that Mm -hmm. roadie bread, y'all. Go get that roadie bread.
0: (laughs) And that's roadie. How are we spelling roadie? R-O-T-I. Okay. So not R-O-U, R-O-A-D-I-E, like uh, the people (laughs) who work backstage for Megadeth or Metallica. No, you don't
2: want roadie bread, no. Yeah, you don't (laughs) want roadie bread. Yeah, you don't want that roadie bread. You can catch that at Hollywood and Highland. They got a
0: couple stores. (laughs) You can get that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Adam, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the very funny things we're talking about Ooh. today. We're talking about the horrifying building collapse down near Miami. There's just this like genre of news stories of catastrophes that we could have seen coming. These news stories are all happening inside the big, like, historic one of climate change. So I just want to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court just nailing it, allowing slavery to be used by Nestle, just taking away some rights from unions because, you know, Mm. unions in America, when will it stop? They're everywhere. They're just (laughs) all over the place. Too many rights, I say. Mm. 'll we'll talk about that. it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a heavy one to start start the week you know off.
1: What? it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful start to the week, and I love it.
0: We are going to check in with the Nielsen ratings oh. uh and explain what you know where Nielsen ratings come from and I feel like they're going to be a consistent part of our show because they have finally put together a system that takes into account streaming so we'll be able to have a better sense of what people are streaming. Mm.
1: Only on the Daily Zeitgeist will you get a uh, building collapsing, slavery, <laughs> and the Nielsen rage. Only ratings. only here on the TDZ,
0: y'all. On equal footing. <laughs> uh, it is a second rate podcast, <laughs> after all. But first, Adam, we like to ask our guest what is something from your search history? Jordan Peterson? Uh huh. No. Hear me out. <laughs> okay. Okay. We will.
2: I was trying to explain to uh, my partner Anna who he was, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys went through this pandemic for the past sixteen months, but it's played havoc on my memory. So I had to be like, "What? What was it that he was so bad about?" And so I had to like look up explainers and and, and refresh myself on on what his whole deal was again. And it was just like, it was a weird kind of peek into like a box, like a box of memories you haven't opened up in a while. Like, oh my, yeah, you know.
0: So, you weren't Googling, how that- is Jordan Peterson right about everything? How does this keep <laughs> no, that in- no.
2: Yeah. No, I did get those as video suggestions, but <laughs> right, no. I- right. Yeah. Will God, you see YouTube me is as poisonous. ignorant
1: if I don't know anything about Jordan
2: Peterson? Like, what is he? What? What is he famous for? He's famous for being a. A psychologist, like a psychology professor who okay. I think inserted himself into the in Canada,
0: let's be uh, yeah. In Canada. Let's qualify. The, um it. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to hear a story about Canadian schools, I'm just saying. Let's uh, let's right.
2: see. tying it in. He also like sort of inserted himself into the the transgender debate in like about twenty sixteen, saying he wasn't okay. going to use preferred pronouns. He also okay. wrote a book called like beyond chaos 12 got 12 rules for living or something and most of them are like you know go to bed early eat meat exclusively or some you know okay just right this guys it's a kind mixture of deteriorated of, yeah,
0: it's like a mixture of things that are like observably true like you know sleep is important and right. then think yeah. like make your bed sometimes like things that your parents would tell you and then just like poisonous men's rights activist ideals. He was also, like, had a very strange last, like, few years where, like, his daughter, like, he was living with his daughter who was, like, kind of controlling his life. And then, like, he was addicted to benzos and then, like, (laughs) went to Russia to get an experimental Mm. treatment for benzo addiction that ended up putting him in a coma. Mm. So just like kind of a, a rough few years for somebody who is uh, famous for telling people how to live their lives.
1: Sounds like the a hero. Yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah, yeah. one thing Sounds I like remember a
2: from a, <laughs> the discussion about his book was that he frequently talked about in like Beyond Chaos or whatever it's called that he watches The Simpsons on double speed. <laughs>
0: That's just efficient, bro.
2: Because you want to know what yeah, happens you know.
0: in the plot, but you don't want to get the rhythm of the jokes or anything like that because yeah, all no, that it's... time that you're laughing is wasted energy. It's wasted you just energy. Wanna... 24 yeah. minutes is too long to watch TV. <laughs> <That's... laughs> Got to speed this up. <laughs> the Simpsons especially is just like so it goes down so easy. Why, why the fuck would you <laughs> Got to <do? laughs> speed this up to an
1: episode to half an episode of Spongebob.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> wild. It's wild. He also like has a bunch of metaphors about human behavior that draw on the behavior of lobsters okay. that yeah. you know nobody has ever accused lobsters of being like the <laughs> the thing to model your your behavior after but he takes the interactions and dynamics between female and male lobsters and draws uh, conclusions from that. Uh, to, like, how you should act as a man towards women, wow. I believe.
1: Well, look, I'm glad I asked. I'm glad I axed.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you, that, yeah. that
0: saved you a Google. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It, yeah. Yes. What is something you think is overrated? Well,
2: uh, I think the big story that keeps going around about the unemployment crisis is kind of overrated. I think that Mm. there's that big media narrative like, nobody wants to go to work. Everybody's quitting their job. And it's Uh just like, no, it's not that. It's like a capital strike. So many companies made so many billions and billions of dollars. So many companies (laughs) got free money from the government at one point, from like Steve Mnuchin. We don't know who got it. Mm -hmm. That money's out there and they just don't, and and they need people to work, but they don't want to pay anybody. But it's always framed as like, Oh, everybody got used to not working in the pandemic. Right. I don't know but, but like I I hate being unemployed. <laughs> like it's yeah. the worst. I would I want to take a job, but I don't want to take a job that like leaves me worse off right, right at the end of the day than than not working. It's such a yeah. So I think it's it's so crazy to see how overinflated that media narrative is. Yeah, yeah.
0: very American. Media I think hurt.
1: the I think the yeah. real headline is during the pandemic, workers started to realize their fucking worth. <laughs> like yeah. is the thing you know. Yeah. Like people started to realize. Wait a minute, I should be earning more than poverty wages. Or wait a minute, you know, a lot of the this is I'm just a cog in a wheel. So I'm gonna care about mm-hmm. myself a little bit more. And it's not that people don't want to work. Is that people don't want to work and live in poverty still, <laughs> you know? Right, or yeah. people don't want to yeah. commute a half, an hour and a half to their job just to barely live above the poverty line. You know, it's 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 so much more yeah. in depth than you guys are lazy, and that's why we won't give you anything because if we give you more, then you'll be even more lazy than you are. It's it's fucking ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I mean, something that's not borne out by the statistics, but we we talked about this story earlier in the week and just like the bullshit of this media narrative. And some of our listeners who work in the service industry were pointing out like it's really awful to work in the service industry normally in America because you're getting like Mm -hmm. all these sublimated ideals of superiority and like how much money you make being an indicator of like your inherent worth like basically america is a very classist society that refuses to allow you to acknowledge that it has class structures in place and so it's just a complete fucking nightmare for anybody working in like one of those jobs that a lot of people are focusing on when they're uh perpetuating this narrative that like and then yeah. so our our listeners were saying and it got way worse during the pandemic because when you add anxiety to an already weird dynamic of people you know uh taking out their anxieties and frustrations on <laughs> on people who are serving them and like this whole American idea of like the customer is always right it just becomes yeah. A complete shit show, so
1: as somebody who worked in the service industry, mostly retail, mm-hmm. I am here to let all my customers know you're mostly wrong, generally right. all the time <laughs> almost <laughs> always yeah almost always you're wrong, you're wrong, you yeah. don't know shit yeah <laughs> like and and it's and it's true, <laughs> you know, like and that's okay, like let the people who you come to like give you a service give you a service without giving them shit is is why and yeah. you know. If you go to rest right now, I know this has probably been said on on the zeitgeist, but be patient with all workers right now. Like we yeah. are, we have accelerated our consumerism a lot quicker than the service and the work industry has been able to catch back up after sixteen months of a pandemic, which is still ongoing. It's ending, but it's ongoing. So it's it's it's
2: pretty wild, man. It's a wild time. Yeah, yeah, and and t- keep tipping. Keep keep the tipping up, please. It's yeah, everybody is everybody was overworked before because that was how the system was built for like, you know, restaurants and retail. They overwork everybody. The schedules are are written to be razor thin, like really tight. So like you can't miss work. If you miss work, then you're the asshole. and Your whole everybody works with you, hates you. Uh, And now it's worse and now there's gaps in that system, you know, so like if you are going to go out, please, you know, (laughs) consider tipping at least 20%. At the very least, 20% is
0: now the bottom, like we need to be tipping more tip
1: 25% and then tip an extra 15% to me every time you go out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Via Venmo. Uh, Via do Keith, Venmo. Do you want to get them the Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah man, it's it's one of those things that Americans just like don't realize the the dynamic like it with, not to be the when I went abroad uh, guy, but when I went abroad and came back, like one of the <laughs> first things I noticed, I was in Ireland because uh, that, that was an easy language for me to learn. And when I came back, like it, there's not that many differences between like, a you know, I, an Ireland and America, but like the way that people have no patience and treat customer service and just service workers like absolute shit is like yeah palpable you like notice that immediately like just every it's it's just a completely different like quality to to human interactions in america
2: yeah yeah Yeah. i was home i was home recently and uh we went out to like a panera bread with like me and my my parents and it was clear that they're, like, training a person who is, I think, probably within her retirement age, but she just started there or something. And my dad just kept looking and being like, oh, she's not doing it right. Like, this is taking yeah. forever. Why? And it's just like, can you shut your mouth? Please? <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, nobody wants to work here. Right. To make your right. sandwich wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like American sin eaters. I, I read that metaphor used recently. Like the people who we just like give all our anxieties and like social like dysfunction to are like the people who oh God. work at Pan- Panera. It's just like, <laughs> come on, <guys. laughs> They have to smell the fake smell of fake bread until it makes them like lose a part of their soul. Just cut them a fucking break. Cut them a break. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what's something you think is underrated? I landed on um,
2: Tom Sharpling. Are you guys aware of Tom Sharpling? Yeah, the the I best love show. Tom Sharpling. Yeah. He's got a new book coming out. I'm very excited to read. For anybody who's listening who doesn't know anything about him, he's he was like a, he's like a TV writer's bit, worked on the HVS Divorce and Monk. But he started doing The Best Show, which was like a three-hour-long comedy show on WFMU in New Jersey, which is like a public, not a public station, it's a listener funded station. It's a three hour long like call in show and he has like comedians and characters and stuff on it. He started doing it in, you know, like when Bill Clinton was still the president before, yeah. you know, iPods. So like, you know, it's like a guy who's been at it for forever, who's just, you know, started as this guy in New Jersey with a radio show and is now, you know selling books he's got this podcast with julie klausner he's very funny like i don't think he's, he's still not getting the recognition he deserves he still feels like a like uh undiscovered comedy gem that you can you know he's got so much work to go back in mm-hmm. experience so i'm hoping that like it kind of turns over he's also involved in like i think the first season of what we do in the shadows as yep. like a producer writer i think so he's very very funny. I just think not enough people know about him. Yeah, Listen, he, he about he's writing Grown Ups
1: three right now. Which let me tell you, <laughs> is he really? <laughs> oh yeah, he's about to get to the theater and see that that next Adam Sandler Chris Rock jam, oh, y'all. Hell yeah, man.
2: <laughs>
1: wow. Um, <laughs> okay. But he is That's always good. he's somebody <laughs>
0: that like all your favorite comedians and comedy writers oh, yeah. are like a big fan of and like probably mm-hmm. know personally. <laughs> like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and the best show is awesome that it's available as a podcast or at least some of some episodes are available as a podcast but yeah. he's also like he would like do these weird like music mashups that uh, i don't know he's just like a super talented dude like everything he does is kind of cool he did this like one mashup of uh the doors and he was like you know i didn't really like the doors until i just did that and it was true of me too i didn't like the doors until i heard his like mashup that like mm-hmm. used some of jim Morrison's vocals. Yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting and uh, funny dude. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Great underrated, man. Great underrated. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And so there's the building collapse in Miami Surfside. Last week, at the end of last week, we're not like we don't have all the information on what caused it. But there are reports starting to come out that it was a building that, you know, people who pay attention to these sorts of things were worried about, like had their eye on starting in the 90s. Yeah. Scientists in the 1990s said they noticed something wasn't right. It was a byproduct of analyzing the data. We saw this building had some kind of unusual movement. And it's just this genre of story. So, like Adam McKay has this movie coming soon where a couple scientists notice that there's a world ending asteroid like hurtling towards Earth to destroy <laughs> us all. It's called Don't Look Up and they go from country to country like warning world leaders about it and like nobody will take it seriously everybody's just like yeah 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 sure no 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 we get it we hear what you're saying but they just like won't do anything about it and i think it's it's a good metaphor but it's like we have we have metaphors of that every single fucking day like it's yeah. constant all so, the time yeah there there's so this is a one of those one such metaphor where and like local politicians are like, let's not jump to conclusions. We don't know what caused it, but the fact that they are like that there was data that was like this building is doing something buildings shouldn't do back in the nineties. Like suggests and pe- they haven't done and hadn't done anything.
1: Not a single thing. They still rented yeah.
0: out condos. Oh yeah, this
1: thing. They is is wild. To I, I saw this story. And literally, like just you hear it and you're like, damn. But like, think about this. Think if you're asleep at one in the morning and your building collapses on top of no, you no, fifty. No, story. I can not You're like, giving me a panic attack right now. <laughs> it is it is the wildest shit that I it, it is truly I'm surprised this isn't like a bigger story because it is terrifying. It's terrifying. And then to hear Yo, we've been, uh, we actually been, you know, on this since 1990. It's like, all right, then, damn, <laughs> y'all building new shit all the time, and y'all couldn't tear this building down and build a new one? <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. It's not good
2: when the, it's not good when the experts are like,
0: yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, right, they, like, like they knew that sort what of the, like, bui- right, yeah. They knew what the building well, was before, like, anybody told them.
2: Yeah, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. And, you know, anybody who lives in the L.A. area, I think, is also seeing a proliferation of high rise buildings going in around around, all around Los Angeles. And, you know, it's not outside of the imagination that there will be a earthquake that can rattle these things enough, you know, to Mm -hmm. cause some significant damage.
0: I mean, we have. Yeah, there's another kind of smaller scale, but still catastrophic story. Like where we're still waiting for the other shoe to drop, but we know the other shoe is going to drop with the uh, what's called the Cascadia subduction zone, which is the Pacific Northwest actually has had like some of the biggest earthquakes in the history of the world. But it's just they were happening before people were habitating like that part of the country. But they were so big that like they created massive tsunamis that hit Japan, like raced all the way across the Pacific Ocean and hit Japan because that's how big these earthquakes are. Seismologists finally like figured it out in the past 25 years that like we're due for another one of these like massive, you know, catastrophic tsunami creating earthquakes in the next 50 to 100 years. And they're still, like, building schools in the tsunami zones and shit. Like, they're, like, you know, ringing the church bells and fucking meeting with the mayors. And the mayors are like, okay, we, we hear you. We but hear you. this is th- that information uh, we're going to dismiss as being unprofitable. Yeah. It's like,
1: we hear you. <laughs> we hear you. We really do. Yes. But real talk, <laughs> I ain't gonna know nobody in 100 years. I don't care about them motherfuckers. Exactly. Like, that's what they
2: saying. That's what they saying. <laughs> Do you see it coming?
1: I don't see the earthquake, right? A hundred years? Oh shit! I'll be dead before then. (laughs) Fucking build, build, (laughs) build. Like it's wild. It's crazy.
0: There's another like the deadliest landslide of all time happened in Peru, and this is another case like in 1960. These mountaineers, like, climbed up a mountain and were like, oh, shit, like, the whole side of this mountain is ready to give way. Like, you guys need to move this town. And those scientists were run out of town, like, run out of the country, basically, by local officials. And then 10 years later, an entire town was, like, swallowed by a landslide uh, when there was an earthquake. Uh, It was, like, exactly what they fucking said. It was, like... Word for word, like, they were like, well, so here's what's going to happen if you guys don't, like, do something about it. And they just didn't do anything and instead kicked them out of the country.
1: You know what, Jack and Adam? I'm I i, I going to give you this permission as well. If, like, we're ever in a building that collapses or, you know, a, a mudslide happens and they've known that shit was going to happen for 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years and we survive. We have 100% autonomy to give each and every person we run into them hands if we ever run into them. <laughs> like absolutely. we do, like we, like on site, on site. I don't give a fuck. And you, and we can't go to jail. You can't do nothing. cause you knew, you knew. I survived. I'm beating your ass every time I'm seeing you, every single time. So like, <laughs> oh, we all have that autonomy. We can all do that if our buildings collapse on top of us. Which would suck for, you know. I'll make that deal. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted Um, to have the permission to (laughs) This is what the Supreme
0: Court should be ruling instead of uh, protecting corporations (laughs) from...
1: Yes, the Supreme Court should rule like the times we can realistically give people these hands and it'd be okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you you survive a terrorist attack, you get your student debt paid off. If you survive a landslide or a building collapse, you get to slap whoever you want. (laughs) Right. These are fair deals. These are fair deals. These are practical solutions.
0: (laughs) You kind of start to see the problem when you listen to the scientists from this building collapse uh, talk about the problem. This scientist says it's very sad that people are forced to be reactive. We're constantly putting out fires. I think there's a systemic problem we have. Investing in preventative measures instead of reactive responses saves lives, money and time. It's like... Yeah, I mean that like everything they just said is true, but you also understand like systemic problems, investing in preventative measures. Okay, Poindexter, why don't you go do me up a math equation and me and my boys are gonna go over here and like fight some people who did crimes already that already <laughs> hurt somebody. Yeah. It's just like not the shit that humans respond to. Yeah. But we Yeah. You know, we've also done things that basically behavioral modifications and, like, taking into account, okay, this is what humans respond to, this is what they don't respond to, and, like, this is how we get things to change over long periods. We just need to start sort of engineering society so that we take these, you know, existential threats to human, the human species, like, seriously and start making changes. I just don't know how to, like, force the hand, force their hand to do it.
1: Well, you know, if we do that, then we would have no more action movies.
0: Right. No more action yeah, exactly. movies. <laughs> yeah. If we
1: get rid of all disasters. What else are we going to watch the rock do? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. We raise his
0: daughter. To see action movies, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. not preventative <laughs> measures to safeguard action movies.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's going to be, they're going to find a villain. They're going to find somebody to pin it on. Like, Oh, you did this, you know? Yeah. It's the contractor's fault. It's this, it's this person's fault or a, um, You know, some sort of made-up anarchists organization (laughs) is actually the fault. They're just going to pin it on somebody, and, like, it's probably the way that the whole climate crisis gets solved is when we finally go, like, hey, it's this guy's fault that we've been burning gas for 100 years. Let's get him.
0: I mean, we have the... We know who the villains are. It's fucking exile. It's like the oil companies, and, like, like Mm -hmm. 50% of climate change was caused by, like, 10 companies. It's... yeah. We know. We, I'll give you your villains. Yeah. Just, like, come, come ask me. I'll tell you <laughs> who the villains are. I'll tell you who the villains are in this uh this building collapse. I'll tell you who the villains were in that Peruvian landslide. You just have to, like, do the research. Yeah. All right, Uh, right. Let's talk about the Supreme Court real quick because, uh, as mentioned, and, and there's, like, a lot of... I'm seeing on, like, anywhere from the center to the right, people being like, well, these are not as big a deal as you think but like when you like thinking about behavioral engineering type shit and thinking about like corporations and how you get corporations to do anything uh, and how just what we know about how corporations behave these are major rulings so uh-huh. first there was a ruling where the supreme court found that People who suffered under child slavery could not sue American corporations who profited from the child slavery. So, Nestle's and a lot of chocolate companies, for long periods of their history, were profiting off of child slavery. You know, they weren't saying, like, there wasn't a Nestle's corporate meeting where they said, go do child slavery. Instead, they were just like, you know, we like. When labor costs are near zero and, you know, they let the dirty work be done in other countries. And that's the Supreme Court's like, eh, they technically didn't say it in America. So we yeah. have to let them go. Like, that's been the biggest trend in the Supreme Court over the past 20 years is just like absolutely letting corporations get away with fucking anything. Anything. They're just bro. like, mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they are like the 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 thing that most needs to be protected in the in this country as opposed to the single most powerful actor in the united States, yeah,
1: and like i'm looking I'm looking here too, and it you know it's it's wild. We have a road here in l a called Cesar Chavez, right? We name an entire road after a man who did so much for <laughs> so many people, and the Supreme Court ruled. That a California regulation, which allows union organizers to recruit agricultural workers at their workplace, violated the constitutional rights of their employee. Like, it undid so much work that this man did. And you still, like, have the nerve to walk on his street here in California. It's, It's so wild how we shit on people doing real change. We shit on the actual worker. And we shit on people wanting to form unions to protect themselves at the expense of who? Like, that's that's what I'm not understanding. Like, nobody's going to not be rich anymore. <laughs> like, they're still going to be rich. I'm all right. for people having their money. People have your money. I don't care. Have your millions, have your billions. I don't give a shit. Like, it's not going to change. I get that. But at the expense of people who are barely making it, who do real things for change you take away like something that people fought and died for, for a corporation that's here today, maybe gone tomorrow. It's, it's, it's so insane to me. It's so infuriating to me yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. What is the constitutional right being violated here? You know what I
0: mean? Like the ruling came about because uh, corporations were like, these unions are coming onto our land that we own and contacting our workers. It's like a complete bullshit. Technicality. Passing. yeah Yeah. trespassing basically but yeah basically the first one the slavery one was like an eight to one ruling uh this one is six six to three with the three liberal justices like being the ones who held out but jack
1: are you saying that some liberal people like (laughs) allowed slave they still want slavery to go like liberals right i thought we i thought all liberals i know it's shocking
0: right what
1: Oh, man, I got to go. I'll, I'll talk to y'all in an hour. <laughs> I mean, it's funny.
0: like Obama, who's like number one liberal, like of our lifetime, always said like that the arc of the universe bends towards justice. Like he took that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. quote. But I feel like we're also seeing that the arc of the universe in America bends to- towards like erasure of the work done by left-wing and like, you know, community organizers. Cesar Chavez, like when I was growing up, I was like, you mean Julio Cesar Chavez, the boxer? I didn't know who the fuck that was. Like growing up in a public education in Ohio and like Martin Luther King Jr., like all of the community building and like workers and poor rights work that he did gets erased and it just turns into a message of like, being the value of being colorblind and it's just like yeah, yeah man that and then obama who starts out as a community organizer becomes like the person who bails out wall street yeah it's
1: just live long enough to see yourself becoming the villain i guess yeah I don't know. yeah also I did i call so. him caesar chavez earlier and not cesar i'm sure i, I, might, I
0: did i might have too but it's okay. it's okay. You know what? It's, we blame us. education. We blame education. <laughs> I mean, Cancel yeah, I mean, my history. It's America. It's America. Yeah. <laughs> it's America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I believe that
2: my lesson on Cesar Chavez was just the name Cesar Chavez. That's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's all the information you get is like, there was a man whose name we mispronounced. There it you go. A right. day. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys think that, what
1: what would a class war look like to you all? Like I I have trouble because it you know it, it seems like we uh, we may be heading toward toward that maybe I don't know I don't even know how it would look though because I feel so unpowerful that yeah like it feels like it feels like taking a knife
2: to a bazooka fight
0: yeah yeah no I mean I think the... it'll look
2: like last year right yeah
0: yeah I think it'll have to look like yeah. you know the community organizing that happened last year but like ramped up and i don't know i think it'll have to be like something that starts and then like builds up a momentum of its own because unions have been so defanged and like the actual or you know organizations that organize people have been so just kneecapped in america that like there's not i don't i don't know like how a planned out thing happens i think it's going to have to be People reach a breaking point and, like, come yeah. together. But I don't know, man. The The Supreme Court is just so far to the right that yeah. I don't know, like, what. Like, I, I guess there's also generational stuff happening where, like, now even young Republicans are socialists. So, like, eventually, maybe once these... I, this is the second time I've been like, once these baby boomers mercifully die off in the past week. But, you yeah. know, once they, once they go away, maybe things will start to... I don't know. Resemble move, uh, move in a different
1: direction. I mean, yeah. you know, like we're literally talking about child slavery here, and yeah. we're literally talking yeah. about not giving people their rights to care about themselves. <laughs> like this is what we're talking, and the Supreme Court is ruling against these things. Yeah, and it's just like it's 2021, and you would think the The better part of us as a humanity would realize, even if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or conservative, whatever it is, that like children shouldn't be children shouldn't be slaves. They shouldn't be working yeah. under bad conditions. They shouldn't be working at all, you know. And for a party that cares so much about life and pro life and all these things, it's you know, it's it's so cliche, but it's so true that they care about, you know, life up until they pop out of their moms and, you know, enter into right. the real world. Then it's like, all right, two fingers, motherfucker.
0: Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's so wild.
1: It's so wild. I don't.
0: Yeah. It's, it's daunting. I mean, so the child slavery thing, like, is the, thi- the thing that it's taken away is the ability for them to sue corporations. And corporations are inherently, like, designed to be, institutions that create value for their shareholders. So right. it is their job to use whatever the cheapest form of like the system is designed to take advantage of child slavery in foreign markets. And then just to like give a little more detail on the unionizing thing, like what uh, unions were able to do was come to farms to like organize people because that was the only place that you could actually reach workers. Because these corporations would bust people in from off location and you couldn't like reach them through the newspaper a lot of times because maybe they didn't speak English, you know, all sorts of institutional reasons that they were hard to organize. So you needed to be able to come onto the farms to actually reach the workers and tell them what their rights were. And this is going to make it so that corporations once again, like they just no longer need to allow that to happen, so it once again becomes like their duty as like shareholder value creators to just fucking treat people like shit. Like that is the bottom yeah. line of what of what these rulings mean.
2: Yeah, the language of law. You know how like like legalese, uh, it, for lack of a better term. I feel like the language of the law here in in the united states does a lot to distance you from the human reality of things like it is as simple as you're you're saying jacques that it's it's child slavery it's Mm -hmm. child slavery what kind of decision are you going to make a decision that perpetuates child slavery but then when you get into a a long days long legal argument with the that sort of you know the language of you know, I can't even speak it because I'm just a dumb comedian. But like it all of that highfalutin, you know, dispassionate, non-humanitarian language goes a long way to going like, well, of course, we should give more rights to to corporations because, you know, their corporations are bigger than us. So they deserve better rights or whatever the fuck is going on in their head. Right. It's just it's it's so antisocial. It's right. so antisocial. Yeah.
0: If you made it, like, whatever the fucking (laughs) logic is the Supreme Court is using, if you made it so that these people could come back and sue a company after they uh, profited off of, like, treating them or, uh, you know, using their slave labor, then the corporation is going to spend a shitload of money to make sure that shit doesn't happen anymore. And now, instead, Mm -hmm. they're going to spend a shitload of money just ignoring that problem. So instead of using, like, American capitalism for good, we've just sort of passed the buck. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk Nielsen Ratings. Oh, yes, sir. And we're back. And all right. So like we've talked a lot about streaming stuff throughout the history of the show, and it's mostly been based on. You know, people trying to read the tea leaves based on, like, what's trending on Netflix, what's trending on Prime, like, all, all these various things. And then there were some services that, like, took people's internal numbers. And also, Nielsen did have a, a measurement service that used the audio from TVs, to, like, audio tracking devices on TVs to, like, read what like what the ratings were for streaming content. But it was all like very roundabout and not very good. So this is I. This is like me introducing the fact that I think I'll definitely be talking more about Nielsen ratings just because I'm. You know, I think it's the show's duty to like figure out what people are watching and what people are thinking about. That's like what the what the zeitgeist is.
1: Yeah. Can I can I go mm-hmm. off for a minute?
0: Yes, please. Please.
1: It is insane to me. That in the year of our Lord, 2021, that we still, like, networks still base a show's survival off of people sitting down and watching shit live. People have not been watching things live since, like, 2009. That trend has been going downward On a consistent basis. Now, I'm not saying people don't watch things live. I know there is still a huge contingency of people in middle America and not on the coast or older people who still sit down, watch their movies like it's 1980 or watch their TV shows like it's 1983 commercials and all. But, you know, most of us don't. And I'm thinking of a show like Manifest. I don't know if any of the Zeitgang is Manifest fans, but I was NBC, which stands for nothing but cancellations. Just canceled their show, <laughs> canceled that show that just released on Netflix and sat at number one in the entire fucking country as the most watched show on Netflix for a week and a half, and NBC canceled it.
0: And like it's they just canceled like, it while it was at number one. While it was at
1: number one, and I'm just like. I, I don't understand how people, how some of these networks don't, and I get it. I get it. Don't come in my DMs like I don't understand it. I'm in entertainment. I understand better than 95% <laughs> of the site gang. I get it. But, like, I get it's advertising. I fucking get it. But I still don't understand how we can say a show is not popular when... Two point one million watch it on TV, and then fifteen million watch it on Netflix or Hulu. That show is fucking popular as hell. (laughs) Like it, it, it it infuriates me. So I'm so happy that Nielsen has finally woken up from their long dirt nap that they've been taking, (laughs) and (laughs) are deciding (laughs) to incorporate streaming into their goddamn numbers. It's
0: insane. I mean, I've always been shocked at how just ass backwards and like retrograde the TV rating systems were like for a long time. So let's just do a quick history of Nielsen ratings. So Nielsen actually began as a company in 1923, measuring the quote quality of conveyor belts and turbine generators. Mm. (laughs) The and, television of its day, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, we just sat around and watched turbines, and
1: uh, uh, um, only ten million people were watching those turbines. Cancel right. it. <laughs> <laughs> then in
0: 1950, they started measuring TV audiences, and at first, they were just doing it with paper diaries that had to be filled out by families, and this was super biased because it was often just like the mom would do it. They didn't start like doing an electronic people meter until the eighties. So for 30 years, TV ratings were purely based on like mail-in like response from people being like, yeah, well, here's what we watched. And then in the eighties, it was like still, I think partially based on that. It was like wild. And no matter what, like from the start, Nielsen has been based on like a small number of people's responses to those queries, like those mail-in things, or, you know, if they are one of the families with a Nielsen box, but it's still like a very small portion and they're just then extrapolating based on those families, like to say, well that must mean that like this number right of people were watching TV.
1: Like if a hundred thousand people are in this Nielsen like survey for a show and 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 like twenty thousand people watch the show, then they'll just up convert that number to well this must mean 2.1 million people watch this show tonight and like that that sounds
0: stupid (laughs) It's and that's been what it is from the start from the start from the very beginning yeah so recently like as as recent as like earlier this year Nielsen was kind of feuding with streaming networks for undercounting viewership because during the pandemic, they weren't sending field field agents to check on the boxes. Like that's the level yeah. <laughs> of like antiquated it is, is that they had people like your local Nielsen delivery guy who would like come up and like check the back of your box like it was a fucking gas meter. And yeah. then like that's how you would know like what people were watching. And so because they weren't sending people out, Nielsen was just like, People must not be watching TV. I don't know how the fuck that yeah. happened.
1: And like, I mean, listen, I'm not a liar. But if one of my favorite shows was on the bubble, I'll come in and be like, oh yeah, man, every house in uh every house in Illinois is watching Hango with Mr. Cooper today, man. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> right. go ahead and keep that alive. Go ahead and keep take that off the bubble. Like, you can't it's just it is it's so it's so it's funny. It's funny.
0: It is. So finally, uh they recently announced their new method to measure streaming numbers, and this is Why I'm very (laughs) excited is because this method, at least just at the very, like, you know, idea phase actually makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. so before the only way that they were, they were figuring out what people were streaming was using audio recognition software in the Nielsen boxes. So it was only capturing, like, what was being watched on TV and Netflix was like, actually, most of our shit is watched on, like, laptops and phones. So what are you talking about? Anyways, this thing called the gauge actually measures internet traffic through the router. So as long as you're watching a show on Wi-Fi, it will capture that. And, you know, there are some big flaws with the tech, namely that it still only measures TVs, (laughs) which is insane. But they're at least like (laughs) starting to capture like what people are watching. And it's like five weeks of data. But the five weeks of data is still pretty interesting. Like Handmaid's Tale, guys... still very popular. You guys, how, 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 how? I know. For season Do you guys four... think that
2: this is going to spell uh, a disaster for Netflix, especially who's been who just keeps their numbers to themselves and has been very like private about their like viewership numbers? I don't personally. Cause it kind of reminds it reminds me of the uh, the Facebook thing that was going on when like you know digital video was such a huge thing and yeah. people were making all the advertising deals that were going on for digital video because facebook would report certain numbers for for certain things but those were all either inflated or improperly recorded or something like that and it just led to a huge crash of the you know like online video world and that just completely like went away overnight and it feels like this could happen if netflix is as like has been cagey about certain things, you know, for more than more than they might let on. I was also surprised in the article that you guys pulled that Disney Plus only has one percent of the streaming share. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Disney Plus is low. Yeah. HBO Max is apparently really low. Very low. Yeah. Like Mayor of Easttown like never broke into the top ten, even though it was like a, you know, massively buzzy show that everybody was talking mm. about.
1: I think that's more indication to, you know, was popular on Netflix, on on Twitter uh, is not necessarily indicative of what's popular in the world. And, right. you know, one yeah. day we'll get that in every facet of life. Politics, sports, uh, everything, you know. Right. But that's another conversation for another day. To answer your question, Adam, I don't think Netflix cares. Let me put on my tinfoil hat real quick. Netflix <laughs> is... Like, everybody's like, oh, is Netflix worried because people are pulling their content and putting it on their own streaming service? Which is funny to me because Netflix is the model for that, which is why people... You know, Edgar, former co-host of Culture Kings, said something to me that always stuck with me about Netflix. And it's like, Adam, if you gave me your dog to walk every day because you didn't feel like walking it. And I walked it. And in and, and the process of me walking your dog, I, I started to realize that people like really liked your dog and like your dog start doing tricks and i let your dog do tricks and i would get paid money for your dog doing tricks so i would take your dog on a walk every day have him do tricks pocket the money and you realize like hold on motherfucker give me my dog back i want to make money too (laughs) like that's what that's what's happening with like a lot of these streaming services like they realized what netflix had and was like all right let's do it Netflix doesn't care about it anymore. Netflix is trying to become a production company, which they very much are already. Mm -hmm. And they are a production company that is very unique in the way that all of their stuff that they produce, their movies and things like that, It's all regulated to just Netflix. So all the numbers and everything that they have, which is why they don't care about people sharing passwords. Is why they don't care about, it's not about, they are building their cachet up to be the next Paramount, to be the next Universal, to be the next Warner Brothers. And I think all the other shit, they just don't care about because, you know, as long as people are subscribing, it's all good. When
0: you look at the actual numbers and like the top 10, it seems like When there's a hit show or a hit movie, like Coming to America 2 was actually a massive hit. Borat was a massive hit for like a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And The Handmaid's Tale, like these shows are big hits that like pop up and like will hit number one for a couple weeks. But everything else, like Netflix is the default. All the like, Who Killed Sarah was like, this show that had been out for like six weeks that was at number two the week that The Handmaid's Tale uh, premiered like Jupiter's I've never Legacy heard of it <laughs> right Jupiter's never, Legacy was never. a show that they canceled after like three weeks that was at number three like they're they are I I think these numbers have revealed that actually Netflix like has a huge market share and then like other mm. companies are. Kind of playing for a second, and it's just like a week to week thing. But like for instance, aren't they still
2: operating at a loss? I think Netflix so. Yeah, Netflix. Netflix. probably. Yeah. yeah, I mean probably.
0: they're debt spending like crazy. Like they, yeah, yeah.
2: And then every every year they always promote like here's the more here's a new most expensive show ever made. It was Altered Carbon, and I think they're doing the same kind of marketing thing with the uh, upcoming Cowboy Bebop live-action mm-hmm. remake that it's, mm-hmm. you know, the most expensive television show ever made. And it's like, well, how are you doing that? Right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Netflix is pretty much the Thanos
1: of the streaming. Like, they, it's the <laughs> end game. It's the long game. You know, it's the long game. That's all that matters. And then once they finally succeed, you know, once they blip half of the streaming services off the map, then they'll just sit down in a field and look out into the to the grass and the sun and smile and <laughs> then the movie will end. Like they are, that is Netflix. <laughs> like they yeah. they'll operate at a loss. They'll spend all the money. <laughs> like they're looking at the long game. And you know what? I fuck with it. I fuck with it.
0: That, yeah. The way they get your yeah. TV show to disappear is by, you know the. Uh Paramount Plus taking it and like making people watch it on Paramount Plus. That's like okay, and nobody watches that anymore. Yeah, uh, nobody. Like yeah, <laughs> the show leave and it was like, "Well, shit, I guess I'm done watching The Office." <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <Get> you know. <laughs> yeah, that really seems to be the way it is. Uh, so, just like some surprise things. So, I, I always talk about how Amazon Prime, like, there's all these like good shows that are being hidden on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is the university of kentucky basketball team of streaming (laughs) services and that like these amazing talents are just there and like don't even play because john calipari is a shitty coach and Mm. so i i talk about like patriot is a big show that like i've watched i know a lot of people have watched and liked and like nobody really has seen it. it like barely has its own wikipedia page so the Underground Railroad, uh, which is Barry Jenkins's new kind of anthology or not anthology series. It's a series is actually breaking into the top 10. So, like, that's just super impressive. And I think, you know, people should should be watching that. And uh, I, I'm going to watch it for Jack's streaming corner. And I'll talk about it on the show. But that's just kind of impressive that it even made it that far. The other thing you're noticing is, like, just how much of an advantage TV shows have because the way that they measure everything is in minutes Mm. viewed. And so, like, a movie will occasionally go to number one, like I was saying, with Coming to America 2. The most recent weeks that we have data for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead Mm -hmm. has, like, performed extremely well. But then, like, eventually they'll fade away. So, like, that makes sense of, like, the direction that content creation has gone and, like, the amount of money that they put into Cowboy Bebop and, you know, Altered Carbon and shit like that because, you know, the more minutes you have, the the better. But I, I do also mm-hmm. think that that, like, we shouldn't lose sight of the power of movies because, like, this is not taking into account, like, how many people have actually watched movies because it's like if 10 times the number of people watch Moana, then watch The Handmaid's Tale, Moana still won't make the top 10 and Handmaid's Tale will be at number one
1: based off just episodes alone. Yeah,
0: just the number of minutes. Yeah. So just like looking at the five weeks that we have so far, Mitchell's versus the machines seems to be. Another piece of pop culture that has been seen by enough people is like a, you know, many hundred millions of dollars sized hit in terms of the number of people who saw it. I don't know if you guys saw that.
1: I didn't, but I want to watch it. I will. Yeah, it's good. It's,
0: It's like a good family movie. Also, Moana is still queen. She's that movie is still in the top 10 movies streamed this week, despite the fact that it's like. Nothing happened. Four it's not years like old. yeah, yeah. They didn't like <laughs> release new scenes or something. It's just been there.
1: It's because parents are lazy today. You know what I'm saying? Parents just say, "Kid, I don't want to raise you. Watch Disney Plus and just watch right. Moana." That's the joke. But as opposed to as opposed to my <laughs> parents who
0: let me watch Jaws a hundred times before I was five <laughs> years old. <laughs> but I also want to talk about this show that I don't know much about. Mm-hmm. That is like frequently in the top ten on these uh, Nielsen streaming ratings, and that is Lucifer, uh, Jaquez. I know you are familiar with Lucifer. What can you What can you tell us?
1: Let me tell y'all a little bit about Lucifer.
0: Lucifer is dope as shit.
1: All right, so Lucifer was actually one of those shows that was on Fox that got canceled and Netflix saved, so it was a safe show. Uh, first, let me just say Lucifer is about the devil, Lucifer who comes to earth but he's actually a good guy. Uh he's still an angel. So it really is a cool show because it takes the mythology of those of those characters, Lucifer, God, all the angels and really teaches you the mythology beyond just what religious people want us to know, which is God, good, devil, bad, right? Right. And so it's so fun, and Lucifer's a detective's consultant with the LAPD, which (laughs) is very funny.
0: (laughs) He's got nowhere the action is.
1: Yeah, he helps solve crimes. He's also, like, he's always fucking. He loves drinking. He never lies. Like, it's such a fun show, and it was really fun on Fox, too. But the thing about Fox... Or not Fox, but the old TV model used to be you get 20 plus episodes in the season, right? And when that was the case, 20 plus episodes of an hour long show is a lot of fucking content. So it's a lot of filler while they're trying to tell their overall story of the season. So when it came to Netflix, they bumped that down to 10, 13, 16 episodes, which means they can just tell a complete story. And the show has gotten so much better On Netflix, and it was even it was good on Fox, but it's gotten so much better on Netflix because now they can do stuff like curse, they can show booty, they can like actually tell one story and tell it very succinctly without a lot of filler. Excuse me, without a lot of filler. I understand. I'm I'm crying. Show you feel very strongly (laughs) about. Crying, man. I'm crying. This season, this past season too, I watched it with a homie of mine. Shout out Allison, who. There was moments we, like, cried tears. Like, I cried, you know. I cried these thug tears, but they were still tears (laughs) nonetheless. (laughs) And it was was fucking great. It's a good show. Dennis Habert is God (laughs) in this show, which is amazing. It is such a fun show. If you have not watched Lucifer, please watch it. The first three seasons are still very good. They are long. But once you get to season four, when it, came to netflix the show is gonna take off in a way that you're like this is one of the best shows on tv Damn. right now so definitely okay. check out lucifer it's good it's very good
0: i mean the devil you like can't miss with making the devil like the protagonist of your show or yeah. epic poem mm-hmm. or rock yeah. song like it's all- just nothing but classics there and <laughs> you root
1: for him. like yeah. you root for him. i don't want to give too much away in case anybody's gonna watch it but you root for him because like you forget the mythology. or well, I forget the mythology. I don't know if anybody's out there devil caping, which you are. Fantastic. But you forget, like, he's an angel. Like, he's an angel. He's actually God's son. <laughs> like right. So they yeah, really yeah, have yeah. fun with that mythology in this show. Uh, it's, it's dope. It's a good-ass show. I, I recommend it highly.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to recommend Paradise Lost by John Milton. Oh, people, people can check that out also a very good uh, <laughs> devil <Netflix's> sympathetic is Paradise, <laughs> Paradise Lost
1: what you recommend Adam what's, 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 what's the show that we should be watching that you recommend
2: I well I'm nothing very current since the beginning of pandemic I went all in on Star Trek oh. I had never seen it and then now I'm wrapping up Deep Space Nine and I don't know mm. if you guys have seen any star trek or not but uh i really i've seen it a little bit i really like deep space nine because it's like well the next generation is very like you know good guys win bad guys die sort of thing you know like and you get kind of weird but like deep space nine is like you know the bad guys are sometimes good and the good guys are sometimes bad and you're left often with moral ambiguity at the end and it feels more like a, a show for adults than you know a family show Mm. Um, And Avery Brooks is one of the most fascinating actors I've ever seen, um, you know, on big screen, small screen as Captain Sisko. He's got a very strange, weird energy that is so captivating. So if you have any familiarity with Star Trek, check out Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Recommendation from the 90s. Hell yeah.
0: And that is not streaming on Netflix as far as I can tell.
2: Damn. It is. Oh, it is? I'm watching it. Oh, there, there you go. go. All well, right. I don't know they, why but go. Paramount has let it has let all the Star Trek stuff stay up on streaming all around. I think it's just I don't know. It's see it I'm waiting for the day where it's just gone and and is only on Paramount Plus, but uh
0: and then yeah, you'll it, not watch it, it it's anymore. on. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm done. <laughs> then you're done.
2: <laughs> then
1: you're
0: done. Well, Adam, Jaquise, it's been such a pleasure having both of you guys on today. Adam, where can people find you, follow you, hear you all that good stuff? You
2: can follow me on Twitter at Adam Bozart. You should listen to my my show, Left Handed Radio. It's not that long. It's very funny. I do it with my partner in all things, Anna Rubanova. Um, we've been doing it for about since 2010, with some breaks here and there. Wow. But uh, I, if you guys like this show, I hope hope you like my show. Yeah, hell yeah. Go, go go check it out. listen
1: i got respect for anybody that has kept their show around since 2010 we hit 300 episodes of culture <laughs> kings and we was like two fa- two fingers niggas we done <laughs> like, <laughs> like so
2: So oh. huge respect definitely we, check that out there there's great there's like two three four five year long breaks here and there but okay. uh yeah we like uh, it reinvigorated it in yeah, we brought it back in the pandemic and doing it weekly. We used to do it monthly. It was like a hour long. We used to do like album length sketch comedy episodes once a month. And then we decided to start just releasing one sketch every week. And it's been a lot of fun. And we've been trying to take it as weird places as we can. So love it. LeftHandRadio.com.
0: Yeah, yeah. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying?
2: Oh, I just discovered two Twitters. That I really like. I kind of have trying to use Twitter, uh, Twitter to be more entertaining instead of you know keeping up with everybody's panic and and anxiety breakdowns. Um, mm. Two Twitter uh, Twitter accounts I've I've just discovered. One is um, Pet Finder names. Pet oh. Finder names. So all these like I don't know if you guys have ever been on Pet Finder, but uh, animal shelters and 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 rescue places they like to give wacky names to the to the pets <laughs> to maybe like rope somebody in. So you can get, like, photos of a dog named Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) You know, it's it's a lot of fun. And then another one that I just discovered is called Old French Crime, which uh, are these old illustrations from a French newspaper in the 1900s, early 1900s, where, you know, before photography, they had to draw, like, all these disasters. So, yeah, there's, like, a... Like the guy that like made that parachute suit and jumped off the uh, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Cast out his parachute suit and he died. Yeah, there's like <laughs> a drawing of the man in his suit like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, it's a great way to kill an afternoon old French crime. Love nice. It.
0: So it's Love them it. basically <laughs> drawing like the crime in progress for the purposes of like the newspaper. <laughs>
2: Yes, and it all and they all look like they're uh, being staged for this for this theater. You know, they all look like plays <laughs> because they're big dramatic
0: poses. Right, Jacques, where it. can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying?
1: Oh well, of course you can find me in these streets, and mm-hmm. then if you want to find me beyond <laughs> that, at Jacquees on everything. I got, I got, I got three really quick tweets. Three really quick tweets. You know, whenever I'm a guest, I only have one, but as a guest host, I got three. Bang. First. This is another Save Manifest tweet, you know, Save Manifest, which was a very good show, and they ended it on a cliffhanger, so fuck you, NBC. (laughs) But it comes from at Miles X McKay, Miles with a Y. He retweeted a picture that is thunderstorm captured at high altitude and is the wing of a plane with a huge-ass, like, thunderstorm, like, and clouds in the window so you can see it, like, right outside the plane, which is how Manifest starts. And then he says, next thing you know, (laughs) I'm missing for five and a half years. (laughs) Um, So, cracked me up. (laughs) Love that. Another one comes from... I
0: mean, Netflix is going to bring that back, right? Like They just passed on it. They They did? They just passed on it. What the fuck? Uh, I guess, is it super expensive or something?
1: It must be. Or, you know, they got to save money and space for their show about, you know, dating and animal costumes. So, (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's it. (laughs) I don't know. King of Twitter... King Josiah, 54, Uh, the Detroit Pistons just got the first NBA draft pick selection, and then he he had a tweet that says, with the first pick, the Pistons select, and then Cade Cunningham, who many people think is going to be the first pick, and then he has a gif of Cade running from people chasing him, basically saying (laughs) he doesn't want to go to the Pistons. Right. Um, Uh, which you know it's true who wants to go to Detroit sorry all my people from Detroit I love you Midwest forever and then last one's from the homie Liz Adams who is a soon mom to be Uh, there is a picture of a very ugly alien looking person that said babies be looking like this uh, for their (laughs) photo shoots and then she tweeted if my baby comes out ugly I will pretend like I care about her privacy and hide her face from the public which I respect that (laughs) Babies be ugly sometimes. Sometimes y'all need to stop showing your ugly ass babies to the world. So I'm telling you,
0: (laughs) babies are always ugly for the first few days. You need to give your baby a time. It's like a a good steak or a souffle. It needs to settle. Uh, Settle. Its head is not even in the right shape. That's not what it's going to look like. My babies were all ugly uh, for months. And now they're cute. And now they're cute. They're so cute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Give your babies time before you introduce them to the world.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Treat it like you're a celebrity. Yes. (laughs) Let's see. A tweet I've been enjoying. Jason Pargin wrote, Seeing a lot of people in disbelief that John McAfee could have committed suicide. This just goes to show that no matter how stable and well-adjusted a person appears on the outside, they can still be really struggling on the inside. Uh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, Daily where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes! Uh, hey, where we link off to the information that we talked about. In today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy, Ja'Keeze, do you have a song that you think people might enjoy?
1: I got one for y'all, and it's not going to be Jason Mraz, you know, I I know (laughs) y'all was expecting that. (laughs) it's from uh jack johnson it's from jack johnson <laughs> <laughs> upside down everybody <laughs> no it's from uh <laughs> it's from an artist called rex orange county and the song is loving is easy rex orange county really dope artist makes really dope music and loving is easy it was my introduction to him and i just went on a rabbit hole and i was like i like him so yeah loving is easy rex orange county let's ride
0: out to that yeah, yeah. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye.